0: Hello, and welcome to How to Heal, a place for transformation in all aspects of life. I am your host, Mika Leon Pettit, and this is episode 11 in beautiful July of 2022. Today, I'm so happy to be chatting with one of my dear friends today, Ellie Fabra. She's a registered health and nutritional counselor, certified meditation teacher, Reiki master, and initiated shamanic practitioner of Peruvian Quiro tradition. She studied Shamanic Energy Medicine, Advanced Functional Nutrition, and Neuroscience at the world-renowned Four Wind Society Light Energy Body School. She's a member of the Canadian Association for Natural Nutritional Practitioners, the Canadian Health Coach Alliance. Ellie is originally from the Dominican Republic and lives in the forest with her partner in Northern Canada. Ellie,
1: welcome to How to Heal hello Mika thank you so much for having me i'm so excited to have this beautiful conversation with, with you and your audience today
0: you are very welcome and tell the audience for how it is up in the Yukon territory right now give them a feel of what's your life up there like
1: it's beautiful right now all of the flowers are in blue Gorgeous. the only um, thing that it's a little bit um, out of the ordinary right now is we have a big amount of wildfires, but it's amazingly gorgeous. We are going uh, for nature walks to go uh, canoeing and to spend as much time in nature as we possibly can right now before it freezes over.
0: Oh, well, that's, yeah. And and actually, how long does it stay cold up there? Um, You get snow on the ground, like what, nine months a year?
1: Uh, Pretty much. We start getting the first freezes late August, uh, September. And then we usually have snow on the ground until late May, sometimes even all the way through end of June. (laughs) And I think before we
0: started, um, you said there's like, uh, you've got some roosters around there and you guys have chickens.
1: It is beautiful. It's a very uh, special place. It's a place of many mountains and many lakes. Right now we are surrounded by flowers and butterflies and wildlife. It is absolutely gorgeous. It's like a paradise for nature lovers. We have an enormous amount of lakes and uh, walking trails and places to discover. Um, it's quite hot right now. We're about, I would say 25 degrees Celsius, which is pretty hot for up here. Um, and it's a very healing place. It's, and it's a place that I call home even though I never thought I would end up living so far up north.
0: Yeah, I know. Total big difference from uh, Dominican Republic. And when did you go to uh, Yukon territory?
1: We moved to the Yukon uh, territory back in 2016. Originally, we moved here. We were looking for a more, I don't know, like a more quiet pace of life. We were living in Vancouver, British Columbia at the time. And Vancouver is a very busy metropolis. It's very like a lot of traffic, everything is far away, you spend a lot of time commuting. Yeah, and we I love for, Vancouver.
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It, it
1: rains all the time and, and it's dark and it's super expensive, so we were looking for a place where it was a little bit easier to advance in life, you know? Mm, yeah, yeah,
0: and so a lot quieter. Um. Your closest neighbors probably like how far from you?
1: It's actually a few meters. It's not too bad. And we have a like a big lineup of pine trees. So we rarely see each other. Maybe we see each other like maybe every every two years or so. <laughs>
0: That's funny. Wow. Amazing. So, so for us, tell the audience, Ellie, how did your healing journey begin?
1: Oh my goodness. That's quite the story. You know, I never thought, you know, when you're growing up and you're in your 20s and you're going through life, you never actually plan really far out into the future. And one of the things that we don't plan for is getting sick, right? Mm -hmm. And I never thought that that would happen to me. So early in life, Um, what happened? I had like super stressful um, jobs. I used to work in the corporate world and have like very demanding high tension, like working with very like high performing individuals working as an executive assistant. So I carried all the stress and I had to keep their lives organized, right? So I did that for a really long time. I was also in a marriage that was addiction and other things. And I was also carrying all the trauma from my childhood and my upbringing growing up in the Dominican Republic. With dysfunctional parents and at times experiencing um, extreme poverty. So if you mix all of that together you have a perfect melting pot for chronic illness to happen. Oh then at some point I had accepted a job in a remote location and I was flying a lot. I was flying a lot, I was flying probably like 18 hours a week and at some point my body just said no one night i woke up with extreme pain and i didn't know what was happening to me but Mm -hmm. i knew something was wrong because i could feel my face melting the right side of my body paralyzed and i couldn't get out of bed so Um, you
0: actually started having um symptoms of losing feeling in parts of your body as a as a stress mechanism for what was going on in your life
1: yes but the doctors couldn't figure out what was going on with me i will always get brushed off they did all the tests and they couldn't figure out what was going on with me until i finally ended up having a stroke and uh, at what age did you have the stroke billy at 36 which is pretty early yeah yeah and it was i don't know how to tell you this but it was very very challenging it was my quality of life went to zero. I couldn't walk, I couldn't talk. My eyes would roll over. I had like an enormous amount of neurological issues Um, and the doctors couldn't help me. And it just continued to get worse and worse and worse. And I was super overweight. I had a time that I had crutches. Then I had a walking cane and um, everything was falling apart in my life. At the same time i had a stroke the stroke i was filing for divorce and also um my mom passed away all of that happened in the same year wow wow
0: and, and so how did you how did you handle how you if you couldn't move how did you handle that at the same time while you were getting a divorce
1: i don't even know where my head was i was completely broken physically, mentally, spiritually, I felt numb for many years. I remember that my closet was all black and that I wasn't eating and I would like not interact with people. I wouldn't buy groceries. Um, I didn't know what to do. I was just looking for ways of distracting myself and not dealing with what was happening to me at the time. Mm
0: -hmm. And then how did you come into your you're um, changing that and everything turning around in your life.
1: It's actually quite funny. So as my health continued to deteriorate, I was living in South America at the time. I was living in Cartagena de Indias, which is um, in the Caribbean side of Colombia. And um, I spent like a week hospitalized there and more MRIs and more CAT scan and more blood tests and nothing was working out and i asked to be released from the private clinic in which i was and i remember there was a lady at the gym that looked super like healthy and vibrant and stuff and i said i'm going to ask her she must know somebody who is into alternative medicine because the traditional medical system is not helping me and you know when you, you know, when you reach rock bottom you you are looking for that little sliver of light that right. that will get you out of that black pit of despair where you are right so I asked her by any chance do you know like a naturopath or an alternative doctor she said yes I actually do so I met this guy who who was a retired ER doctor and naturopath and I can tell you I got to his office with crutches with Mm -hmm. a maid in tow because I had to hire a maid because I couldn't be alone because I was having seizures constantly and I couldn't, like, I wasn't functioning. I was completely, like, um, you know, broken. So I got there, and he did some acupressure on me. And he invited me to his office. And then he, start, he started giving me um, specialized supplementation, like vitamin D and magnesium and a whole bunch of stuff that I was missing. And mm-hmm. he started doing acupuncture and stuff. And little by little, I started to recover. So he was the beginning of my healing journey.
0: Wow. And then, and of course, a lot of times when we need healing ourselves, we wind up becoming um, healers for others or helping other people on their journey. And so where did you go from there with your how did you begin your holistic nutrition practice?
1: It took a few more years before I actually put two and two together about what was the connection between what I was actually eating or not eating and the way my body was behaving. I didn't realize that because of my lifestyle and the the high stressful jobs and the issues in my relationships and probably some accumulated nutritional deficiencies from my own childhood Mm -hmm. that at some point just like my body just stopped working Um, when we moved to Vancouver I had started dating the person who's my partner right now and his family all of his family was under the care of a very famous naturopath in vancouver mm-hmm. and then that was like the second step like he really took the time to look at me in detail to really you know um, see me as a whole to mm-hmm. start getting me like farther ahead in the in the healing journey he he did a blood test with me you know they take like a drop of blood and they put it like in a little um piece of glass and under the microscope Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and he told me like you're one step from cancer like you're really 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 sick so I continued to eat better to learn more about um, nutrition and stuff and I was doing a little bit better but not Mm -hmm. as fast as I wanted to recover so when we moved to the Yukon um, I had more disposable income I had more time and I was in a place where I wasn't finding satisfaction in my corporate job anymore. And I felt, you know, when you feel something, something in your gut, no pun intended, that <laughs> there's something out there that you need to learn. Then I started doing research to find different um, uh, training in nutrition. I wanted to learn about holistic nutrition because I didn't have access to the same naturopath where I was living and because I really wanted to learn. So I found a program that had everything that I wanted to learn. And I cannot tell you how it changed my life. Learning about how the body works, learning about physiology, learning about nutrition, actually gave me my body back. You know, and I went from, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was gonna ask you, so what is for the audience, what was one of the main things when you started
1: doing this?
0: What was one of those things that immediately like like kept you on the path because it, you saw results from from it?
1: Um, because I had been on so many medications at the same time, I had 10 different prescriptions. I had so many prescriptions that I had, I had one that was just to protect my stomach from all the other prescriptions, right? Mm -hmm. Because I had been on so many prescriptions for such a long time, I had put on a lot of weight. I had been like 60 pounds overweight, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things that I started noticing with both the changes in diet and the right supplementation, was the fact that 40, 40 pounds of weight just fell off. Like wow. I didn't have to do anything, it just, they just disappeared. And I believe the biggest gift that, that food has ever given me was the fact that I am no longer in pain. I used to be in so much pain that I would just sit on my bed and cry. And the, I was told that the next step for me in my medical treatment was to go morphine because all the other medications weren't working. You, you said to go, what, what did you call it? Morphine. Like I would have to go to a pain management clinic and start getting morphine oh, injections. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, that is pretty intense.
0: No, not, And then what did you do after that? What was your um, next approach when you're like, oh, obviously I'm not going to this clinic. And so you did this with your diet. You did this with supplementation. Did you do any... Um, any other things like uh um exercise along with it and um oxygen or meditation or
1: exercising was a big thing because because i had i stopped walking for such a long time i believe i didn't walk for period of about two years, I think it was, I would get my neighbors, I would bribe my neighbor's kids to come and do my laundry and my groceries, because I couldn't walk uh, back when I lived in Montreal. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I had to do was getting my body back from deconditioning, right? So Mm -hmm. rebuilding the muscle mass and strengthening my bones, because you know that when you don't walk for a long time, your bones kind of clean out. Yes. So the nutrition was the first step exercise, but once I wasn't in pain and once I felt I had a little bit of control over my body again, I realized that a lot of the pain and the things that had been happening to me had to do with unresolved trauma. So I started learning things and the stresses of life continued to pile up and I had like this divide between what my soul wanted to do and Mm -hmm. what the world wanted me to do. So the next thing after nutrition I studied was, um, was like dipping my toes in ener- energy medicine, which was Reiki. Reiki was like my first love. Okay. I couldn't be-
0: yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say yes. I, I see here, um, I found in your bio, uh, believes in removing deep-seated trauma imprints from your energy body to allow for healing to take place. And you just mentioned about you um, working on your traumas.
1: Yes. Um, I experienced a lot of different things growing up. One of them being like my father having like a very difficult industrial accidents and stuff. So imagine this. When we're born, we are born happy, clear and pristine. Imagine yourself like you're like a little snowball. And as we pass through life, imagine that that snowball continues to roll down the hill, gathering more stuff and more stuff and more stuff. And by the time most humans are like 30 or 40 years old, we have all gathered an enormous amount of trauma, big and small. Sometimes it could be things that happen to you in in, in preschool. It could be a death in the family. It could be sometimes something as simple as falling off a horse or a bike or something like that but the body remembers all of that right Mm -hmm. um and I had tried psychotherapy and other things but it wasn't really until I one owned the hurt that I was carrying and two like really being proactive about facing like my dark side and my shadows and saying my I forgive use and all of those things when my health actually started improving, like for real.
0: Mm, yes, I can see that. And, and um, you know, we even learned that some traumas, you know, happen even in the birth canal, on conception, things like that too, that those imprints are already there even before um, we were even mm-hmm. born. Um, and, so, and so tell us um, a little more about Um, Once you heal those traumas, things started to get better. You started to see a real noticeable difference um, then because like you said, a lot of this stuff is energetic and where did you go from there?
1: You know, I always knew there was more to life than what we see with our human eyes. I always knew there was something that I was looking for or that it was looking for me. It's just that I didn't know how it was called. I was always a strange little girl. You know, mm-hmm. always very empathetic. Um, I had like several instances of like prophetic dreams um, and things like that. But I always would brush it aside and kind of like put it, you know, like when you grab a broom and you put it under the rug, just like, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 this is not happening. And there were a few times in my life where I actually thought I was going to honor the call, but I, I would ignore it. After Reiki, I became like very, very sensitive. And I was not prepared to deal with the world of energy because you know in ancient times when people were initiates or trainees or pupils of some sort of you know uh, esoteric or healing arts or stuff they would have somebody to guide them I didn't have anybody to guide me with what was happening to me but I was lucky enough that I found really caring and really ethical teachers. After the Reiki, I would say the most significant experience that led me to the path that I'm walking today was a cacao ceremony in Mexico, which we actually shared together. You were sitting right next to me.
0: Oh, yes, I remember now. Uh, yeah, that was back in uh, 2018,
1: yes. So after that, I went to study how to work with cacao but it wasn't I couldn't go to Mexico at the time because I had a very demanding job and needed implied financial resources and all of that but when the changes that happened in 2020 came to be the training for the cacao became available and then I started dipping my toes into the world of shamanism and everything started to make sense to me I was like oh my god this is it. This is what I've been looking for all my life. Now the world makes sense. It's like somebody handed me the golden keys to the kingdom. Well,
0: we're gonna, we're gonna take a break and we wanna come back and we wanna lead into your shamanism practice. So uh, we will be back with Emily Fabra. We are all here to do something specific and unique to our original blueprint. Soul contracts can clear up questions you have about yourself and others while putting you on the right path that is uniquely yours. It speeds up the work of self-development exponentially and gives you practical tools for daily living. To learn about or experience a soul contract reading, go to www.mikaleone, that's m-k-a-le-o-n-e.com and get your free 15-minute consult to find out if a soul contract is right for you. Welcome back to How to Heal, and we're here with Ellie Fabra. So doing some research for the show, I came across this in one of my Harmony Connects newsletter. Shamanic practices are becoming increasingly popular now for this very reason. They urge us to live congruently within ourselves and in community with others so that all beings can freely and consciously participate in life. Sharing their gifts and generational wisdom within the context of an even greater shared purpose. So um, I feel really blessed here to be have a couple of shamanic friends. Um, Of course, you being one of them, Ellie, and and one that I recently just met. um, currently living here in Mexico, and I feel both of you have helped to connect me to being in the world, but not always of it. Where you can go between the realms and as a practitioner of healing i find that to be highly beneficial um, to myself and the people in my life um, so to our listeners ellie would you give them an idea of what a shaman
1: is and what you know shamans actually do absolutely that's the best question you know there are so many misconceptions and preconceptions even using the word shaman can be taboo. Um, A shaman is a steward of the earth. We work for the well-being of all the creatures on earth, the humans, the animals, the plants. We are a bridge between the world of the seen and the unseen. We seek to bring balance, harmony and love to everything that is in existence. That's beautiful. It is.
0: Yeah, that's really beautiful. And and what kind of people like, because, because like you said, you know, even the word sometimes people are, oh, well, you know, what what, what does that mean? What, is the, what would be the type of person that will come and seek out a shaman naturally?
1: You know, usually people that look for a shaman are either people that know a little bit about what shamanic practices entail, like have mm-hmm. a previous reference. Mm-hmm. Like most of my clients come through word of mouth. Or sometimes it could be very serendipitous. It's something that they find my card somewhere or somebody tells them, or they are looking, they have tried other um, modalities and that haven't worked for them. Sometimes it's people that are really, really at the end of the rope and they will try anything. Like people that have had chronic pain for years or that haven't seen result um, with, you know, the traditional avenues, let's say.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah. I can understand that. And now,
1: do the people that normally
0: come to you, are they coming from any particular um, religious background, non-religious? What would you say?
1: Hmm, I have, It's a little bit of a mixed bag. Like I have a friend, like a cluster of, of I call them friends, but they're my clients, um, hmm. that are in the healing arts. Like a lot of them are like sound healers or um, pranic healers and different modalities of healing, which have a little bit of more of an eclectic background. But some of my clients are actually very, very religious. At some point I had the privilege of working with a full family in Mexico, which are devout Catholics. So I work with one and then the one told the other one. And before I knew it, I had 12 of them. So, <laughs> and the thing is that it's my, my intention and my aim to make it really easy to digest, to demystify it a little bit, And to bring it to people in a way that they can relate to it, Mm -hmm. that it's more seeing it as ancient wisdom, traditional wisdom, and removing, you know, all the smokes and mirrors and mama that is usually attached to the word shaman.
0: Yes, I found that you've made that very, very, um, like you said, easily digestible, easily understandable, uh, very related um, to modern life and what people may be currently going through. Do you want to give us a little idea of um, how shamanism can help? Like one of the things, like you said, you had major trauma and most of us have had major trauma. A lot of it um, sometimes usually happen in childhood and you can't remember. Um, and uh, can you tell us a little bit about how that can help with many of the people out there that might be looking at this as a way for um, them to help with past child, um, childhood, post-traumatic um, stress syndrome, things like that?
1: Hmm. Shamanism, it's quite beautiful in the sense that it works with you at the energy level. And once you change things in the energy level, the world outside you starts to change. Most of the people that I work with are women, but I work with a few men as well. Um, um, There is like a common thread between the people that are my clients or that end up finding me. A lot of them have experienced sexual abuse. So Mm -hmm. I believe that part of my medicine is helping people deal with that kind of trauma. Mm -hmm. The thing is that both emotional trauma and physical trauma will leave behind an imprint in your energy body and with the safe uh, techniques that i was taught by my teachers we can go in gently and remove those um, like shadows of the past you know there are so many things that we carry with us Um, for some people it's their first day at school for some people it could be verbal abuse from their parents for some people um for some of my clients um they have um for example been overweight since they were kids and they have experienced shame and a whole bunch of it's like it's a whole universe it's like a full array of things that can in a way cause soul loss yes yes so Mm -hmm. In shamanic terms, soul loss is is something that is such a big trauma that a piece of you decides to flee. It decides to leave you. It flies from your body and says, I cannot handle this. This is too much for me. I'm not safe here. And then people end up walking in life like feeling hollow, feeling empty, mm-hmm. feeling that they have a void that they cannot fill.
0: And then they wind
1: up, um, like how we're finding
0: at the clinic, either I wind up being on medication or prescription drugs or and and just don't know what's wrong with them, or some of them are just walking around just not happy and not sure quite why. And it's something that may have happened or even doesn't even realize it. energy that's not even theirs is just stuck there or um not even realizing that this is something from you know years and years ago.
1: Mm-hmm. And then I think there's so much that comes to the word trauma, because sometimes trauma could be the knife of a surgeon it doesn't have to be then the knife of an assailant somebody who mm-hmm. wants to stab you it could be that your body remembers like a so like a surgery that didn't go well some yes. people sometimes they have like a cardiac arrest and die on the operating table and they don't remember consciously but their body remembers right
0: mm-hmm. yes yes no to tell us kin, because we know that this day and age, you know, our kids, the generation of kids that are growing up, a lot of them are going through um, some serious changes that are happening in our general societies. And does um, have you seen any children? Or, or uh, can you, how can you help um, children that might be struggling with their issues early on and the parents aren't sure what to do with them? I remember having a cousin when I was younger and yes, you know, I'm one of those strange um, kids that came from one of those families too, where, you know, I heard my mom talking about my cousin being possessed. And so do you do any work with any children?
1: You know, I haven't worked with many children. I believe I've worked with two or three children, one of them being a 17 year old girl Mm -hmm. who was born in a place where there is a lot of systemic violence. And um, and she was experiencing a lot of things that are like patterns that are repeating in her family. Mm -hmm. So we had a beautiful healing session, kind of like to undo those chains so that she wouldn't be carrying the same, you know, they call it family curses or patterns or things that are prevalent in families. Mm -hmm. Helping children is something that is quite fascinating. And I cannot imagine what it would be either to be growing up right now or to be the parent of a teenager since I don't have any children of my own. Um, Yeah,
0: or even just the smaller kids, you know, that are, are, yeah, and what they have to go through now just to even go to school. So, so yeah, that's why I thought that was fascinating, you know. Um, Have you, you said the youngest
1: you've worked with was 17? Yes. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of things to help children. One of them would be for the parents to observe and not be judgmental to be aware of how their own behavior affects their, their children, uh, being really mindful of their diet, reducing the amount of sugar that they consume which, because it affects behavior. But when it comes to spirituality, there is so much that we can do to help our children. Things like mindfulness meditation, their are apps that are especially conceived for kids to help mm-hmm. them to start to train their brains and to learn how to breathe and all of that. But in the world of energy, you know, no session is like, like another, like everyone has like a different set of circumstances that apply to them. My advice would be to find a trusted, trained shamanic practitioner or healer if they have any concerns when it comes to the spiritual uh, health of their children.
0: Okay. Very nice. Yeah. And um I have a question that I think everybody out there would like to know. Give us one of your most intense experiences you've had as being a shaman.
1: Oh my goodness, where do I begin? I don't <laughs> even know what to say. Pick,
0: pick, pick one um, that stands
1: out like, oh my God, yes, I remember. <laughs> okay, is... I have I have a really good one. I have a really good one. Um in the Peruvian Caro tradition people that carry a healing Mesa, like myself and my classmates, were called Mesa carriers, right? The Mesa you, is a bundle. It's yes, like that, say, can, you can you hear me? me?
0: Yeah, I was gonna ask you, can you explain that for the audience, yes. Yes.
1: yes. yes, it's beautiful. It's my most loved, beloved and powerful healing tool. Like if I lost it, I would probably cry a lot. Uh, <laughs> so it contains 13 stones. The stones are random. You pick them uh, according to the energy and what you feel. You have to ask the stones if they want to become energy stones. They're called cuyas in Quechua. Um, their job of the cuyas is to help people transmute into mulch on dense energies, right? Mm-hmm. But before I could have a full mesa to become a mesa carrier, I had mm-hmm. to undergo the full training and receive the 13 rates and do the ceremonies to initiate the stones. So I remember when I was initiating my first three stones, I had to leave them outside for a certain period of time and do a particular ceremony to initiate the stones. And then to uh, give energy to the stones, you have to work in what are your own traumas. And for me, one of my biggest traumas was my my brain injury, right? It, it was a defining moment in my life and it's something that really scared me a lot. Mm-hmm. So. It's something that I had to work on to let go off so that I could heal, right? So one of my healing stones has the energy of my stroke. And then the stones were outside in the backyard. And then during the night, I started hearing something talking to me. I'm like, oh, my God, I am crazy. I am completely certifiable. It's happening. The stone was talking to me telling me that I had scar tissue in my brain and a whole bunch of medical terms and I'm like I am crazy this cannot be happening to me I'm like I'm wide awake there's nobody here this is completely crazy and I'm like okay 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 it must be the stone outside and then the morning after I go you know doctor google and I research scar tissue after blah blah and it's a medical thing and I am not a doctor I have no way of knowing that strokes leave behind scar tissue for right. example Yeah, so that was quite out there. I saw your stone told you,
0: and when you looked it up, you realized that it was actually telling you something that, yes, that was on Google. Yes. So (laughs) It's very interesting, yes, what stone was it?
1: I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Which
0: stone was it?
1: Oh, it's just a random stone that um, was given to me as a gift from one of the Yukon lakes. It's just like a normal stone. I oh. bought a whole bunch of beautiful quartzes to be in my healing mesa. Yeah. And they they didn't want to be medicine stones, so most okay. of my stones are like random, silly, normal, regular pebbles.
0: Oh wow! But and they still have all the the energy and the memories and stuff too. They just they just don't look as colorful and as pretty, you know. Um, What's
1: your favorite thing about your job? You know, what's my favorite thing about my job? Uh, that I always finish my session with a smile on my lips. That sometimes I wake up in the morning and I have a text from my client saying, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I feel so amazing. This has changed my life. I'm gifting my best friend a session. Or, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. The color of my eyes has changed. I look 10 years younger. i got one text the other day i got a 16 dollar an hour race this is awesome and sometimes it's something really random but at the end of the day it's that i go to bed knowing that i have helped another human and that i'm contributing my little grain of sand in the green scheme of things
0: well i definitely have to say i know for sure too when i saw um the shaman that I, i met here uh, in Mexico, I definitely had altering life things happen right after, within a week or so. And I didn't go into the session with any expectations of anything specific or anything. I just said, let the whatever's supposed to happen next for me happen. Um, the best outcome will show me whatever I need to know. And um, I, I too have to say that um, I was amazed. Um, and I, and I know it was some clearing that I did. I had an energy block, especially particularly in my um, sacral area and it was very very intense and once um, she cleared that I can I definitely feel that the connection of what happened after that session definitely had to do with what would happen when I had my um, shamanic session it was, it was just um, life-changing and just opened up a lot of different avenues um, that were not there before and I just didn't see it especially happening in Mexico um, so I know for sure, too, for um, the audience out there that, um, yes, amazing things can happen even just after one session um, with a shamanic, shamanic practitioner.
1: Um, and I was going to
0: say, Ellie, do you have anything that's coming up, any classes or any events that you want everybody to
1: know about? I actually started uh, putting together a group coaching program um, for women that are really looking, that are at the beginning of their healing journey, let's say, for people that are looking to learn, um, you know, the basics of nutrition and how to bring themselves back to balance so they can really take ownership of their health. So that's going to be coming up in the next few weeks. Is that going to be
0: combined? So is it going to be like um, shamanistic practices along with nutrition?
1: Yes, it's going to be like a, like a, um, it's like going to be everything that I know. It's like like giving somebody like, um, like um, how can I say this? Like a manual so that they can start whatever they are, combining the basics of nutrition, of uh, stress management, and learning how to manage their own energy. Mm, that sounds
0: awesome. And um, how would they be able to reach you to get this information?
1: They can either refer to my website, which is www.ele.com. E-L-L-I-E, Fabra, F-A-B-R-A, dot com, or send me an email at info at com. I'm also on Instagram as I am Fabra
0: okay and uh i am so glad that i got to talk to you today. i'm glad we finally got to do this and uh, i am looking forward to having you on again later in the future and um anything else would you like to add uh, ellie
1: absolutely you know is if i were gonna add something to wrap this beautiful conversation it would be not to lose hope to know that the body is always working on your behalf, that your body is not your enemy, that there there is hope that you can heal. And that to be open to alternative medicine because it gave me my life back and I have great faith in it. And even if it's not a shamanic practitioner, there are many, many trustworthy and trained practitioners out there that might be the beginning uh, of your own healing journey.
0: Mm, yes. And, and I really with that. So, thank you so much for being on today. And thank you, everyone out there, for listening. And we will see you next time on How to Heal.